And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome back to Spin Rate, your Toronto Blue Jays podcast here at The Athletic. My name is Drew Fairservice, and spring has sprung. The very short, ever-moving spring training Grapefruit League schedule is flying along, although the Blue Jays did here have an off day on uh, Tuesday when we're recording this. But opening day is like, like I'm gesturing, like I'm looking in the distance because I can see it. It's right there. Opening day. Things are moving fast. Things are moving furious. Cuts are being made. Positional battles are playing out in real time. Trades are being made in spring training, which is super weird. But it's all happening. The season is almost upon us. And I wouldn't want anyone else in the whole world to talk to me, to talk with about what this all means, what the Blue Jays, how the Blue Jays roster is shaping up, what is the state of the franchise, what is the state of the front office, perhaps. Hmm? Question mark? She covers the, the, she covers the athletics. She covers the Blue Jays for the athletic. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. She joins me from beautiful downtown Florida. Caitlin, welcome back. Thank you. Yes, downtown Florida, once again, right in the center of it. The geometric center, uh, just outside of Lakeland, Clearwater, (laughs) Florida, near to where the Blue Jays uh, make their spring home. Uh, Caitlin, how are you, though? You're good? You're well? You're enjoying the sea air? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, nice weather. It was nice. It was really nice weather yesterday. Such nice weather that I got a sunburn, even though I put on sunscreen, but... I think the sun is so power, powerful here, uh, and I was waiting around, as reporters tend to do, just standing around waiting, and uh, yeah, I got a bit of a sunburn, only on my nose, though. It wasn't so bad. I was pretty protected otherwise, so. Where, do you wear like a, like, a, like a bowler or like a, like a, no. like a hat, no. like a derby? hat or something like that no like, for- like with a press pass stuck in stuck inside no <laughs> i do not um my press pass is around my neck with a little mm-hmm. lanyard thing um i forgot my hat although i have to say i'm not much of a hat person no i i usually like wear hats when i'm first leaving my house in the morning and like i you know haven't uh put my face on as they say and I'm just trying to cover up the bad hair and cover my face and I like walking out to go get coffee or something and then I'll wear a hat it's funny because like I um at going to a bunch of Jays games as I do often like most of the giveaways or a lot of the giveaways are hats and so most of my most of my hats are like Jays hats just because it's like I have an array of them mm-hmm. and I always think to myself like people in my building must just think I'm just like this super hardcore Jays fan because I'm always wearing a different kind of Jays hat but it's like no I just have them for free they're they're just useful hats to have I guarantee there are people in your family or extended family who don't understand what your job is and just think that you really like the Blue Jays also like I, I, I'll never forget 
that when I worked at the score covering baseball, uh, my mom, of all people, bought me a Blue Jays book that was produced by Sportsnet. She's like, here, you like baseball? I'm like, I work for the competition. Do you not understand? <laughs> but it happens. And just like the one year when I was in high school and I got three different copies of Major League, the movie. I got it from my girlfriend and from my mom. I was like, I don't even think I like this movie. They're like, you like baseball? Here. So I'm sure that you get a lot of that too. I think you should go the other way. I think there, you know, there are not... There are more now than there used to, than there would have been years ago, but there's still not very many women on the beat. I think you need to go like really glamorous, like wear like a gigantic, like, like hat, like something that you would wear to an extravagant horse race in England. Like, I think that's where mm-hmm. you need to go. Block everybody's view in the press box behind you, like gigantic. I think that's, that needs to be your vibe moving on and also protect you from the sun. Yeah, I could do that. I mean, I could wear one of those, maybe just like a fascinator, just like one of those things you just stick on your head, like not mm. even a hat, just mm. like a fancy, mm-hmm. like as if I'm royalty. Um, With a big pin or like a brooch on it as big as your <laughs> yeah. house. Yeah. I, I saw like a photo the other day of like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. taking batting practice and the Blue Jays bucket hat. I got to say that bucket hat. It looks like it provides some great coverage. Again, maybe I'll get one for free and then I'll just have my own Blue Jays bucket hat. But also bucket hats are like, they're in style right now. I'd wear a bucket hat. Maybe not a Blue Jays bucket hat, but maybe that's what I should invest in. One of those when I come back to Florida next year is I'll be, I'll be prepared. I'd like to say that I wouldn't wear a bucket hat that I'm not going to like buck, like bend, you know, to it, that, that them being very much on trend. Yeah. But I have definitely found myself wearing like, cause it's where, where I am in Canada, not in downtown Florida. It's still very cold. And I've been found myself wearing like a, like a toque, but like higher and higher up. Like, mm. so it's like o- uh, over my ears, like a big <laughs> cuff on it. And I look at myself and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, I'm really old, but nonetheless, you know, fashion, we're all at its beck and call. Speaking of its beck and call, if you want to get this podcast at your beck and call, you want to make sure you subscribe to this show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you get them on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever. Subscribe to Spin Rate. Whenever we get a new episode, bang, right there in your feed. If there's an option, give us a rating and review. Makes us feel great. Let's the algorithm know that you're out here listening, enjoying. Gets our show in front of more people, which, you know, as I understand it, is a good thing. It's a good thing to have people listening to the show. Because we don't just do it for the, out of the love of our hearts. We do it, of course, for The Athletic, where... If you want to read everything that Caitlin does write about the Blue Jays, if you want to read all of the national folks, you want to read Ken Rosenthal, the Evan Drelliches, the Andy McCulloughs, if you want to read about the Yankees with Lindsay Adler, and so on and so forth, you want to subscribe to The Athletic. And if you do that, if you haven't done that yet, you want to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate. Subscribe to The Athletic. Read all the Caitlin stuff. You can get an ad-free version of the show right in there through the app. Everybody wins. And they'll give you a tidy discount. And like I said... You'll let them know that you're listening. And that keeps us living in the style to which we have, in fact, grown accustomed. Grown accustomed to the style of, of luxurious environs there in downtown Florida and outer Clearwater. Caitlin has her eye on spring training. There were no games today. But mm-hmm. I know that you wrote something this week about the, the roster uh, projection, kind of making, taking your best guess. But since we last spoke, there has been an addition to that roster. So a name who that would not have been on the version one. And that, of course, is Ramiel Tapia. Did I say, did I pronounce this, this young man's name correctly? Ramiel Tapia? Tapia? Are you, 
It's tapia. Tapia. I don't, I want to make sure I'm doing it right, and I have a bad reputation for not doing it right. But what is tapia? What is Ramiel tapia? Other than, of course, a guy who got treated for Randall Gritchick as well with with a, a prospect, of course. Uh, what's his name? Adrian Pinto coming alongside mm-hmm. with the Blue Jays. Yeah. So what's the deal, Caitlin? Tell us all about it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a trade that I don't want to say came out of nowhere because there has been sort of ongoing Randall Gritchuk trade rumors and just the idea of trading him because of the fact that on the roster he became somewhat of a awkward fit because of the sort of skills of their other outfielders and how Randall's skills were kind of more similar to them and um and so it you know made when the trade happened and you saw what the Blue Jays were giving up and what they were receiving it made a lot of sense but it's you know, still kind of maybe uh, was a bit surprising. I think Randall Gritchick, I wasn't down here at the time that it happened. I was in Toronto, but obviously there were, were reporters down here. I know Hazel May had a chance to talk to Randall um, basically as he was leaving the Blue Jays facility. And, it, you know, it sounded like there was uh, obviously mixed reactions to it. You know, it's always somewhat bittersweet because you're leaving an organization that you have enjoyed being a part of. You have a lot of friends and connections um, all throughout the organization, Randall Gritchuk, you know, at this point had been like one of the longer serving Blue Jays. He'd been around, you know, for a, a while now um, and kind of had seen the evolution of the team. And obviously he knows that the Blue Jays were aiming to be a contending team this year. And he's going to a team in Colorado that is not exactly a contender um, and also is in a pretty difficult division as well. Um, and so on the one hand, you know, it's not, he's leaving a really good um, team circumstance, but on the other hand, um, how much he would play with the Blue Jays was sort of in question. And, and I think uh, with Colorado, he's going and he'll more likely be almost an everyday outfielder. Um, and so I think that was part of the calculus. I know Ross Atkins talked to reporters afterwards and it, it sounded like, you know, he had had pretty honest conversations with Randall saying that, you know, they didn't really know how much playing time he would get in Toronto. And obviously the fit in Colorado was better for him individually. And I think not from just a playing standpoint, but maybe the environment in Colorado in this, the literal, like the climate and everything about playing in Denver um, may well suit Randall, obviously a power hitter and power hitters are uh, usually do well in Colorado because it's a big home run park. So I wouldn't be surprised if Randall has a really good year there. I think already like he's in Arizona. I definitely saw a, a clip on Twitter of him, uh, hitting a home run in in one of his first Rockies um, spring training games, and so it really wouldn't surprise me if you're going to see a lot of Randall Grichuk home runs. At the same time, the Blue Jays get um, get a player who I think kind of better complements their roster. Um, he's a left-handed hitter. He's more of a contact hitter. He has speed. Um, I think there's. The jury's still out, I think, a little bit on his defense. The Blue Jays seem pretty high on it, but obviously they would be high on it because they just traded for him. Um, I worked on a story at the time. This trade went down with our Rockies writer, um, Nick Groke. And, you know, Nick sort of said that in the outfield, it was pretty clear that he could track down balls because of his speed, but maybe the arm was a bit of a question mark. And so it'll be interesting to see. But I think just his skill set, at least it's a better um, skill set to kind of plug into the Blue Jays roster um, as opposed to Randall, who, you know, I don't say this to be mean, but his skill set was just a bit redundant on the Blue Jays roster in the sense that all the other outfielders hit for power um, and 
get on base more than him, and he just really hit for power. He didn't really have that on base that the Blue Jays kind of needed, and he was right-handed. So Absolutely. I, think that, I don't think that you're being mean in suggesting that, and I think we had this discussion over the last year, too, about the Blue Jays' um, struggles in some of the struggles in late games as they were facing kind of big power arm strikeout guys who are typically right-handed. Um, there are a lot of players similar to Randall Gritchick, and the problem for Gritchick is that he's worse than the other guys on the Blue Jays in a lot of ways. So I think that Tapia, A, gives him another angle, especially in, in those late-game situations where, God, how many times did we see Charlie Montoyo calling for some goofy bunt or like trying to make you know, the Blue Jays do, you know, put, put, put a play on or just when they needed to move somebody over and they didn't really have anybody to do it. And Tappy is a guy who's got that speed and who, who puts the ball in play a ton, like barely strikes out at all, hits a lot of balls on the ground, which is, you know, not great in terms of production. You know, we live in the, in the launch angle era where it's obviously you want to get up there and do damage. You want to hit, do you want to rack up the barrels? But, um, that's not necessarily what they're bringing him in to do. And, uh, it, it is interesting to read about his defense. I, I think if you look at the the kind of the publicly available metrics, he does grade out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, his his arm, his so the thing with Colorado is that it it is such a vast outfield, yes. right? Yeah. So a maybe if you have a good arm, you know the the thin air is going to really give your give a lot of your throws a lot of extra carry there are all kinds of crazy highlights of guys making insane throws in the outfield in in Colorado but also if you if you don't have a great arm it's only going to make it I feel like look worse because mm-hmm. you do have that much more space than to cover yeah. um so put in a different role um potentially Tapia has that that the ability to 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 play center field capably and I mean you know Randall Gitchick was is a guy who's getting getting a little bit older. I think he's thirty years old now. Um, so he, you know, his defense was probably was a little bit on the decline. It happens to everybody. So whether or not Tappy is going to be a Gold Glover or like the best outfielder in the American League, he's it's more of just a matter of a bit of an upgrade. B the opportunity to do some things that the the guys in in that, in those places before couldn't do. The thing I think about Randall Gritchick too is that I think that you know that Coors Field is a bit of a home run park, but the biggest thing with with Coors Field is it is the singles, right? If you look at the like how, how what's the track record of batting champions that come from Colorado? They're all it's just one guy after another because there's just so much ground so much more outfield to cover and so many more balls can can land in there with all that space to cover. So maybe it could help Randall Gritchick, a guy who doesn't hit for power, doesn't hit for a high average. Um, you know, obviously when he hits them, they stay hit. That ball he hit in spring training was a bomb. It was, it was so weird to me. It, it, again, spring training looks the same, right? When you're watching spring and you're watching highlights, everything about it looks the same. But then it, little things sound differently. Like, Gritchick gets his home run. The leg gets his second home run of the spring. Of course, he hit one, you know, in, with Toronto in uh, Grapefruit League, and now he's hit one here in the Cactus League. I'm like, how many times does that happen? Not very many. Not not often. Guys are moving camps in the middle of spring training to the point where like they were do, playing Grapefruit League games, and then a couple days later they're playing Cactus League games. It's a it's a brave new world. It's very very strange. But uh, you know, you wish you wish Randall Gritchick uh, a, a lot of luck. I think uh, you know, and I I did a couple of radio hits uh, over the weekend, and the thing I kept coming back to is the fact that the Blue Jays paid money 
to a address a weakness in their in their roster as they saw it in terms of the things that Tapia offers versus the things that Gritchell off, uh, offered, but they also paid to have a bit of a lottery ticket prospect get thrown mm-hmm. in there, and I think that that's that's powerful if you're a Blue Jays fan because it's like they're pulling out almost all the stops at this point. Like they're trying to cover every base that the, the Blue Jays front office really, really, really want to win this year because it would have been easy to maybe make a different kind of deal if someone was willing to just take on Gritchick's salary and off you go. Mm-hmm. But the Blue Jays didn't want to just dump his salary and be, and be out from underneath it and maybe have a little bit more money to spend at the, at the, at the trade deadline or whatever. I, I think that it, that's, that's, that's a really good sign if you're a yeah. Blue Jays fan about how they view the team now and how they're going to operate this year and presumably into the future as well. Yeah, no, that that is a good sign. And also, like, this, this is a different example, but, like, when they made the Matt Chapman trade and, like, certain players that they traded, like, it felt like they did so because it also helped them clear 40-man spots because that was also something that they needed to do. And it was, like, mm-hmm. a creative way to, like, um, you know, send guys over um, in a trade that you wanted to make happen anyway, but also like clear those valuable 40 man spots so that if you do have some non roster guys in camp that are performing well and the Blue Jays do, it makes putting them on the roster a lot easier. You don't have to DFA someone that maybe you would rather keep as depth or whatever. And so there's just like little moves and there are probably things that go, go underappreciated a little bit, but I think you're right. Like at this point, their organization really is like every move they're making is um, for a very specific reason. And there's always kind of layers to their moves, I think as well. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Maybe we can talk about some of those other roster spots. Maybe the one that could potentially be occupied by one Greg Bird. Uh, it definitely looks like he has a pretty good, maybe the inside track to make the team. Um, again, talking about, about uh, someone who does the things the Blue Jays like uh, well, which is that he stands on the left-hand side of the plate when it's his turn to <laughs> hit, which is, uh, you know, I mean, the Blue Jays have such good hitters that I not so worried about having balance and left and right and this and that. It sure looks nice though. It sure helps to have a lefty in the mix. And especially with somebody like Greg Bird, who could be, who, if, if he can stay healthy, which is a huge if, but can be a little bit of found money and a little bit of mm. like a, like a, you know, what, what do you, what do you, how do you say that? Like caught 
fire in a bottle. I don't know. Lightning in a bottle. Uh, <laughs> it could be great. Uh, for, for what they, for in that they, the acquisition cost was low and the potential and the, the fit could potentially be really high. Yeah, of course. And like, I mean, not to, not to compare like Greg Bird to like Marcus Simeon season because I don't want to put any sort of pressure on Greg Bird, but like, um, and, and Marcus Simeon was coming, um, off like somewhat of a down year, but like if you kind of looked at it and you saw where he was trending, it was like he was probably going in a good direction. But I just mean like the Blue Jays have had success taking a chance on guys for one year deals type thing. And obviously they see something in Greg Bird. Um, and it's actually kind of a nice heartwarming story because Greg Bird, you know, went to high school with Kevin Gosman and they were high school um, teammates on um, what I understand to be a very good high school team. Um, and actually one of the Blue Jays um, clubhouse attendants was also in high school with them and they're all really good buddies. So it's a bit of a fun atmosphere for those three in the clubhouse right now. It's a bit of like a high school reunion for them. And, you know, I talked to Greg Bird a little bit recently and, you know, he was just, he was just so happy to be, in this Blue Jays environment, he was, you know, he was saying to me that he loves being around Kevin. They are obviously, you know, very tight when he signed his minor league deal with the Blue Jays. You know, Kevin Gosman was one of the first people that he um, texted um, and Chris, uh, the clubhouse attendant. And, um, and the, you know, Greg Bird was saying to me, he's the only thing is he's been disappointed because he hasn't got to see Kevin Gosman pitch in a game yet in game action. Um, but, uh, you know, other but speaking of game action, like Greg Bird has had had a really good spring. And that's why he's kind of standing out, because, you know, when you look at spring stats, if you're a guy like Vladdy or Bo, it really doesn't matter if you hit a lot or you don't hit at all. You're going to be on the team like you can do whatever you want in spring. Get ready however you want. Doesn't matter you're going to be on the team and no one's going to be worried or even look at your numbers. But, you know, there are, you know, it's, but it's, it's not fair to say like all spring numbers are meaningless. Like they are very important for people. And those people tend to be these guys on these minor league deals, these invites to camp because there's, you know, tend to be usually a, a handful of roster spots um, that are open for a team and um, whoever performs the best and, and also fits a certain role Um is going to get one of those spots. And so, like you said, like Greg Bird hits from the left side. He um, can hit for a bit of power. He had a good season last year where he did stay healthy for most of it. It, was, it wasn't it was AAA. He was actually with the Rockies organization, um, but didn't get a call up at all last year. But he did have a good season. Um, he said he felt really good going into the offseason. He worked really hard, worked on his strength, his, his leg strength especially. And yeah, he basically said the Blue Jays, he kind of heard they were interested in him. They came out, watched him, um, signed him a few days later, and he's been in camp and he's been impressing. Um, and, you know, I think that he would be, he'd be a good fit. He seems like he's fitting right in, not just with like his old high school buddies, but with everybody. And um, I think there's also, you know, he brings, a, he brings a lot of knowledge of playing in the AL East. I think he's got playoff experience with the Yankees as mm -hmm. well. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that he could contribute. He plays first base too. And like, yes, obviously Vlad's their first baseman, but they don't actually have another guy on the roster um, that is uh, a, a pure first baseman that could be an alternate first baseman. I mean, Kevin Biggio can play it. I'm sure Santiago Espinal could play it as well. Maybe there's someone I'm... Guriel spent a little bit again like none of them are really like regular first basements were played a lot so it's always nice 
to know that you have another first baseman that is very comfortable at the position so that you can give Laddie those DH days um, and keep him in the lineup. Um, but when he wants a day off his feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guriel at first base is always an odd fit because it's like, hey, you're really good at throwing the baseball. Let's take that away from you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Also, as an aside, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., while it doesn't matter what his numbers are like currently here on Tuesday as we are yeah. uh, speaking, he, he has a 1.162 e, uh, OPS yeah. so far this spring. So nothing to worry about. But yeah, like uh, as you just summarized, Greg Bird is, is, is a nice fit um, in terms of not only what he can do, but also, you know, with the personalities. And that, again, is something that the team um, stressed over and over, right? The ability to, like, get good people and have these have folks who, who want to work together and, and want to play and, and uh, kind of uh, just their goals. Their goals are aligned, I guess you could say. And Greg Bird's the kind of guy who's, like, you know, playing for, you know, playing for a job, but also – you know, wants to win, wants to win a title. I, I can only imagine because a, a guy who comes in on a, on a minimum salary like that, playoff bonus, significant. But I, I, I would be interested in, in, to understand, you know, what goes into the the decision making process when you have a guy like this. Okay, so Greg Bird comes in, he hits a home run, that's good. But it, it's obviously more than just like. You know, you know, they're evaluating the type of at bats that they're taking and, mm-hmm. you know, with their metrics perhaps line up with their scouting and, and just sort of how they, if they can see holes in him, like, oh yeah, I'm sure he's beaten up on these spring pitchers, but I think that, that that hole in his swing that we knew was there, but it's still there and this, that and the other. So it's obviously that, I mean, that's, that's player evaluation, right? That's player development. It's a, it's as much art as it is science. And while we've, we've tried to imbue it with more and more science, it's still, Still, still a lot of art. Still, a some, there's something to uh, to be said for for the ability to um, to make those kinds of decisions. Now, uh, speaking of those kinds of decisions, uh, the Blue Jays made a decision with their opening day starter. Mm, not officially. Not officially. No. You lied to me, Caitlin. Oh well, um, I don't know. I was lying. <laughs> I think I just said that I think we could talk about it because it's trending in that direction, but it's. Not official. So it is trending in that direction. He, I, I'm guessing he's lined up to to make that start as as at this current time. Again, a guy. Now pitchers, I think, are a little bit different. Where you're not necessarily going to be tracking the results quite as closely. You know, pitchers mess around in spring. They yeah. are they are really just trying to dial things in. And I believe I saw that in his first start or his last start, uh, uh, Barrios was. Very much like throwing a lot of change ups and just being like, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to see how I can get it to go. And I don't know. Number one, let me ask you, Caitlin, what makes you think that he will be the opening day starter, other than the fact that all signs point to it? And B, what have you? What have, what do you have to make of his of uh, his outing so far? Yeah, I mean, to me, I always thought it was somewhat of a toss up between um, Barrios or Kevin Gosman, based purely on the fact that like they are the both making the most money they're the both like both signed huge deals with the team this off season and so uh figuring it would be one of the two also like Ryu has had the last couple and um it you know it seems like they are transitioning to a point where Ryu's not not leading the rotation um there's other guys here now to do that um so yeah, I thought that it would be between Kevin Gosman and, and Barrios. And um, basically, like, I I mean, it's hard to say why 
I think it, other than the fact that it just seems to be lining up that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I think that there's other sort of, what, like ceremonial, symbolic reasons why it could be Barrios. He signed, um, you know, a franchise record um, deal extension for a pitcher with the Blue Jays this offseason. It was like a very you know, substantial deal for the Blue Jays, um, mm-hmm. not just in length and and money, but just the fact that, you know, a guy had been with them for a pretty short amount of time. And this is a guy that had sort of been um, on record or pretty adamant about wanting to be a free agent one day. And all of a sudden they had kind of um, impressed him so much that he decided he just wanted to be part of this team for the long haul. And so it it was, um, you know, a, a big um, show of faith in, in what the Blue Jays were doing. And so I think um, not to say that like Kevin Gosman also has um, showed a lot of faith in them because he signed with them, but just with Brios, he was also really big for the club down the stretch, um, really helped them in those final two months. And so um, maybe when you look at those two things, the club can look at it as just like, you know, it's a nice gesture. It's a nice nod to give that um, first opening day start to Barrios. And then, you know, maybe it's Kevin Gosman getting the second day or whatever it may be. I'm not sure how they'll um, want to shape their rotation because, um, you know, if you were thinking about it, doing it just kind of like sort of how you maybe would rate the guys in terms of like one through five, um, I think that would make it somewhat un- Im- imbalanced because you'd maybe have three righties and then two lefties if you went sort of purely like Brios, Kevin Gosman, Alec Manoa, uh, Ryu, and then Kikuchi. Um, so I don't know. Maybe you could see a scenario where you're mixing in um, Ryu on that second game. Um, also a nice gesture to him. And then maybe you have Kevin Gosman going on the third day uh, of that opening series in uh, Toronto. And then you have uh, Alec Manoa, great guy to throw onto the New York um, New York City mound there in the Bronx. Um, he can mm-hmm. handle it. And then maybe you have Kikuchi going and being that fifth starter. And then you restart the rotation, obviously. Like, I could see that being the scenario. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you know, you, especially at the beginning of the season, you have the opportunity to play the matchups a little bit. Yeah, and you know, we, you know, Hyunjin Ryu, not just that he's left-handed, but because of the nature of his stuff. Right? He's as we saw him last year in particular. You know, even when he was struggling, he was able to come out and pitch really well against the Yankees and threw a ton of cutters and was like really getting in on Aaron Judge and and the big righties that the Yankees have. So. You know, if that's a good matchup, then you maybe want to see if you can line up to make sure that Ryu gets a start there in New York, mm-hmm. where uh, Kikuchi's probably a terrible matchup for the Yankees, unless he is all fixed by the time the first week of the season comes along. Um, I'm yeah, just so you could about, swap Kikuchi and Ryu yeah, if you wanted to, right? Exactly, and, and and but I think it's it's you know it's 2022, so we, I think it's we can think about the, they. I'm sure that the teams are thinking about things in those kind of more strategic or tactical ways, as opposed to being like, here's our best pitcher, he goes first. Yeah. Here's our second best pitcher, he goes second. This guy makes a lot of money, he gets to go third. Like <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's it's. We'll, you'll hear us and everybody who, who talks about baseball will talk about the length of the season and you can't win the World Series in April and this and that. But at the same time, those games matter, right? Like mm-hmm. get off to a good start and, and don't, you know, if you can avoid getting your number five starter who's you brought in as a bit of a project, you know, he's got some guaranteed money, but you know, there is a Nate Pearson and, and, and others kind of waiting in the wings happily if, if there are, 
if any of those starters uh, uh, stumble. So maybe you can you can do Kikuchi a solid and keep him away from the Yankees. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm just thinking about a guy with you know who does have you know decent velocity, but does it? Have, did get spend a lot of time last year getting hit in the second half of the season? So. You know, it's just all about. I think playing those matchups is a good idea, and 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 a lot of fun. Uh, any any other? What was the other thing we, I was going to mention to you, Caitlin? That we had talked about. We talked about Randall Gritchick. Oh, we talked about uh, the cuts. I mean, I, I guess it just felt early. But is, is there anything that jumped off of uh, off the page in terms of cuts? I mean, we've seen Thomas Hatch, Anthony mm-hmm. Kay. You know, guys who were sort of in the in the running for that. For those, um, you know, maybe some of the, those extra starts, not not really anything surprising, but also you know a bit of a bummer to see Gabriel Moreno kind of sent back off to to minor league camp so soon after he arrived there yeah. in Dunedin. Yeah, I mean, but a lot of this stuff is also just like sort of paperwork in in one mm-hmm, sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they are still available for games, and so there's games continuing this week, and so if they need an extra catcher. Um, They'll probably have Moreno there, that, so he can get in a game. And so that doesn't this doesn't mean that they're not going to be playing in some of these um, remaining Great Fruit League games. It just means that they're not making the team. And so in that way, there's nothing really surprising um, in these. I mean, Josh Palacios. I don't. I think I think initially I thought maybe he could make the team, and not, that was only in a sense that like if they needed an extra position player, couldn't really figure out who else it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the club has kind of now strongly hinted that they will indeed bring their three catchers set up um, because of the expanded rosters. Um, and I think also um, kind of a, a part of that is also the fact that they did trade Randall Gritchuk, which does open up the DH opportunities, which then – you could probably see Kirk functioning almost effectively as a DH a lot of the times um, for the Blue Jays. And so, yes, they're carrying three catchers um, because he is a catcher, but Mm -hmm. he could also be getting, you know, half his playing time at DH. And then you also, you know, have the extra catcher as well. I wonder about that. So Mm -hmm. I I would love to get your extended thoughts on. Okay. So the Blue Jays are trying to win, and we've already established that, and we've said that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's maybe it's because I have like a poor person's mind. I keep thinking like a like a, like you know on, in terms of poverty and yes. like player development. Like, is it is it is it bad for Kirk's future to to just kind of slot him in effectively as the DH? Um, is there not is there not value in 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 having him catch as much as possible? I mean, this isn't we don't we don't know this to have happened yet. You know, and and I'm but. It definitely seem, seems like that way. And if you're going to carry a third catcher, then you, you know, they've got to play at some point, I guess. So I guess, I guess, you know, that, that's another kind of maybe a key um, indicator as this, as the season begins and rolls on. It's like, how are they using Kirk and what does that mean for this year and into the future? So I don't know. What do you, do you, do you think that they, that they're ready to, to, well, what do you think? What, how, you said how you think it's going to go. What do you think that means for Kirk's future? No, I mean, I think he'll still play. He'll still catch. And the Blue Jays are pretty good. Montoyo's pretty good at the past of um, finding a, a way to balance everybody's playing time and, and making sure everybody gets in there. I mean, I think it's just like there 
you know, they they did it in the past, but I guess there's always some worry if you're using your two catchers in the lineup and one of them gets hurt, like, mm. what do you do kind of thing? Um, mm. Whereas now, like, or- it just kind of gives you the, um, you, you know, you, you don't have to have that worry in the back of your mind if you're DHing Kirk and then because you've got the extra catcher, whether it be Danny or, or Reese um, on the bench that day. But I, I think they'll, you'll still see um, them mix in Kirk. And yeah, I mean, on the one hand, does it um, does it mean he's spending less time catching or there's because you're balancing three guys and not two. And so he's getting into fewer games because of that, like behind the plate, maybe, but like also he's developing even more as a hitter. So, I mean, if he's spending more time um, getting at bats, that's going to help his game as well. And, you know, it, at least with the universal DH, like there's going to be utility for him across the league. If there was a scenario where the Blue Jays were trading him or, or whatever, whatever it may be, like it's, you know, I don't know that they're, um, you know, hurting him in the sense of just having him DH um, to help them win. And I think you'll still still see him spend time. Um, I can I think, yeah, maybe it's worth watching and seeing, like, well, how often is he getting in there? And, and maybe you can infer from that. But I'm not ready to say, like, at this point, um, you know, that they're kind of punting on him as a catcher and just penciling mm-hmm. him as a DH. Like, I don't think that's that. I just think – I just make the point of, like – now you can kind of wrap your head around why they can more easily justify having three catchers. Because if one of your catchers is a part-time DH or you really like him in the lineup or whatever, you just have that spot open. Um, I just kind of understand why they're now saying, yeah, okay, we can have the three catchers. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last. I don't, I don't know what other position player is necessarily the extra one you want to bring up as well. So uh, you, you didn't say what I thought you were going to say, which was oh. sort of that I was thinking about, which is that the we go, they got to make sure they keep the DH spot open for the real DH, George Springer. Um, oh. <laughs> well, I don't know about that now because I think there's still some questions with center field with Tapia. So I think they're really hoping that George Springer plays a lot of center field. I think that's still one of the questions that I have coming out of that trade is does this put a lot of pressure on um, George Springer to be playing in center field as much as possible because, uh, you know, I guess the jury's out or not the jury's out, but I mean, we'll have to wait and see how, uh, Tapia plays in, in center field. He did play a lot in the minor leagues. Like he mm-hmm. played most of his games, most of his starts in center field in the minor leagues. So he's like, he's not a stranger to the position. So, you know, just because he didn't play it a lot in Colorado probably is more so because of how vast that outfield was. And it just wasn't quite a fit for him there, but, Yeah, we'll see. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA.
NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's let us think about one last thing. Okay. Which is the person who will be making a lot of these decisions, Charlie Montoyo. Yes. As we understand it, there is this is the last year of uh, Charlie Montoyo's contract. So are we to expect or are you to expect there will be a maybe a multi-year extension headed Charlie Montoyo's way at some point this season or in the next little bit? I don't I don't necessarily have um, any reason to expect one to be coming anytime soon. I mean, the the way that they've talked about him in the past um, in I think it was last year or. The year's blending. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think it was at one point last year, and it was kind of understood that his option year, which this is the option year in his original contract, was mm. going to be picked up. And I remember at the time, I can't remember the exact words, but I remember at the time the the tone and the way that Ross Atkins was speaking about Charlie, it was like very much like we are building this together and like we are we are in this for the long haul type types of things. And so that was maybe a year ago at this point, or um, who knows what time is. I'm I'm sorry, I forget <laughs> what it all when it all happened, but it happened. And so I just mean like things can change, but I mean this is a manager that started out with a 95 lost team, and last year they were a 91 win team. And of course, a lot of that is because the players are developing and improving and the team has gotten substantially better because of the money that they've spent and the players that they've added um, and the players that they've helped um, improve and develop while they're in their organization. Um, And so uh, that is a lot of the credit for the success of the team obviously goes to um, the players, but all across the organization, you know, staff, front office, everything. Um, but of course, Charlie is leading that team. And so if you're the Blue Jays and you're looking at, you know, how he's progressive as a manager, um, he's really done what you've asked him to do because you've asked him to take a young rebuilding team uh, that was full of players who were just adjusting to the major leagues. And you've asked him to guide them to be a contending team. And uh, they made the playoffs in the shortened season. They missed the playoffs last year by a single win. Um, This year they look like they uh, are going to be favored to make the playoffs. Obviously we have to play the games. We have to wait and see. Um, But Charlie has done what the organization has asked him to do. Uh, I understand that he's a manager. And when you're a manager, that means you take a lot of criticism from fans. Um, Some of it uh, is understandable. Some of it is um, warranted. Some of it, 
Um, probably not warranted. Um, but mm. that's just the nature of being a manager. And of course, Charlie understands that he was a manager for a long time in the minor leagues, uh, spent a long time, even as a, a major league coach in the Rays organization before he came over with the Blue Jays. So he kind of knows the deal. Um, but you know, if I'm just trying to think of it from like how the Blue Jays are thinking about it or like just ha- how to figure out what they may do, I think there's sort of clues, um, or in indications that, uh, I think you know, Charlie has a future in this organization. I don't think that's unfair to say. I, I think you, I agree very much with the point that you made that like, he's kind of done all the things that they would have asked him to do. Um, that said, John Schneider was just promoted to bench coach mm-hmm. from hitting instructor while they moved um, Dave Hudgens into a similar role. Um, Stoughton made a good point in his, uh, one of his uh, bat flip uh, newsletters this week about mm-hmm. There's probably a, a, a paper element of that in that you couldn't they couldn't have brought Hudgens over without it being a promotion, like because some organizations don't let people leave to do to make parallel right. moves. So, um, not you know I don't think that there, I think that there's that's probably very valid. Um, yeah, uh, like it also said. could have just been like I mean I think that's a good point, and I think always along the way they were like. Dave Hudgens is going to be the bench coach, but he's he has a specialty in hitting. And if Guillermo needs help, because at the time Guillermo was like a new coach, mm-hmm. so it was like you know Dave Hudgens is here. It almost felt like it was like a mentorship role, but he was the bench coach. Um, but maybe like you know Dave Hudgens realized his heart lies in hitting, and he maybe didn't like the bench coach role. And whereas John Schneider really seems to, um, I mean John Schneider came up with the Blue Jays almost exclusively, I believe, as a manager, and so. Bench coach is sort of more the duties of the bench coaches is closely aligned with what the manager does. And so it, to me, just like kind of knowing the coaches and knowing what they like to do, it just feels like um, what John Schneider is good at is more so the bench coach role, whereas maybe Hudgens was just like liked it, but want to move on. But it, it could also be kind of a mixture of the things, right? Like it also could have been a little bit like, as, as Stoughton pointed out, like a sort of like a kind of paper transaction you never know yeah uh but but uh, and so went on to kind of quote uh i guess uh, schneider was on the broadcast during one of the games and just kind of talking and made some great points about just how collaborative the the that team is in terms of yeah. like the managers bench coaches hitting instructors and you know how he talked about sitting down uh with pete walker um, to do look at mo- oh, we haven't talked about the Pete Walker thing I guess yeah either have we since since last we recorded we can do that real quick but um, yeah I, I don't mean to say that that the I you know that that John Schneider is or that Charlie Montoya is holding John Schneider's seat um, I think John Schneider is is gaining the kind of um, experience that one would need to one day become a, a, a big league manager if it is in Toronto or somewhere else um, but again I think that the Blue Jays. Sh- other than a few tactical head scratchers that we've all griped about and explained, complained loudly um, over, over and over, um, you know, I think that Charlie is doing exactly what Charlie was brought in to do, and for the Blue Jays too, uh, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, maybe if the team struggles this year, if the team gets off to a slow start, maybe that maybe they do then make a change. Um, but again, I don't know that if the Blue Jays, a team that is very talented and very deep, um, struggles, I would, I would have a hard time understanding how that's the manager's fault but what do i know um one thing that isn't the manager's fault one thing that was the pitching coach's fault was the pitching coach got arrested for going 80 miles an hour in a 45 while he was drunk uh while he, after refusing a roadside sobriety test pete walker 
um, mugshot all over the place the other day. The Blue Jays issued a you know very non-committal. This is an ongoing legal matter type of release. Pete Walker said next to nothing. Um, fuck, man, just take a goddamn Uber. I don't know. Like the, that. That's the end of my analysis. Don't drink and drive, you fucking dummy. That's 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 the beginning and the end of what I had to say. I know that you kind of were covering it more from a reporter perspective. Were there any details that I missed other than don't drink and drive, you big, well-paid tool? Sorry. Well, um, as you say, like obviously it was disappointing, and and he spoke to the media really briefly. Uh, I wasn't there that day. I was on my way to Florida. So I just saw a tape of it, but, um, you know, obviously apologized to the organization, to his family, um, and, you know, didn't say much more than that. And Charlie similarly was, um, you know, just basically said the reiterated almost the club's statement saying, you know, we're aware of it. Um, we're looking into it. Um, it's a criminal matter. Um, and they haven't really said anything more about it. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously Pete Walker, uh, you know, charged with um, drinking under or dri- driving under the infant. Sorry. Um, he pleaded not guilty, um, written plea through his lawyer mm-hmm. a couple of days ago. And so that I believe is the latest of it. And, you know, I should say I, I, I don't cover courts and, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not something that I, um, you know, even some of the language uh, I don't routinely see. Um, so I think that until this plays out in court, we're not going to hear much more from the Blue Jays. Pete Walker has continued in his role. He's continuing to coach. He's been in uniform. And the, the team has more, more or less said that that will remain the case um, until the matter is dealt with in the courts. Um, we should also I, probably just say Pete Walker has not been convicted of anything at this point. True, true. But I believe, as I understand it, the refusal to to submit to a roadside sobriety test with on its own comes with like a like a loss of like a loss of driving privilege for for a certain amount of time, regardless of the outcome. So we'll see. Um, I am among the among those who feel like these kind of things, baseball and the teams do their very best to make them go away quickly. Um, fortunately, no one was hurt. Fortunately, you know, Pete himself wasn't hurt, and more importantly, that no one else who was would have been driving on those roads at 2 o'clock in the morning was, was injured. Um, given that, it's just sort of one of those things that just kind of goes away. I mean, Tony La Russa famously uh, was pulled over asleep at the wheel in his vehicle at a stoplight and then was happily offered a new job with the Chicago was served as a, as a consultant for, uh, for the diamondbacks. And after a you know, long, long managerial career, um, when no one gets hurt, these things kind of get brushed under the, under the rug a little bit, which is too bad because sometimes people do get hurt. Sometimes, uh, you, you know, you baseball players are killed by drunk drivers like Nick Adenhart of the Los Angeles angels of about 10 or 11 years ago, not to mention some of the other, um, you know, auto-related deaths that have affected the baseball community within the last however many years. So really disappointing, but, um, man, this is, this, is, this is paying the price of admission, right? Like there's a lot of people involved. It takes a, it takes a village to, to, to root for laundry, so sometimes, sometimes you got to get the ick uh, and, uh, and deal with it. So an unfortunate note to go out on, but uh, 
Still, baseball's coming back soon. Distract us, baseball. We need you now more than ever. Caitlin, what else you got going on from uh, from from the mean streets of Clearwater uh, before you head <laughs> back to the frozen tundra of Canada? Apparently, it is cold there. My mom, my mom texted me the other day, the day after I arrived in Florida. She said, "How's the weather? We woke up to snow, so <laughs> uh, it's cold there." I heard there was like some sort of ice ice event. It's very uh, unseasonably cold here, Caitlin. <laughs> if you must know. That's not what I'm asking you about. I want. <laughs> Look, I'm su- I'm suffering with my sunburn here. Um, no, what am mm, I working on? Mm. I'm working on um, <laughs> working on a cool story that uh, is taking a little while to come together, but I'm excited about it. I think it's still going to be a few days, probably not till next week. But um, you know, it's a cool story that I've been talking to a lot of different pitchers for, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, and. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll I'll say that because um, it will probably be out when a lot of people are listening to this or will be coming out soon is that I um, was not here when Mark Shapiro spoke to the media a few days ago. So I will have an opportunity to um, ask him a few questions myself. Um, and so that will be coming out soon. Um, it hasn't happened yet. So hopefully it goes well for future me. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed, future Caitlin. You got this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're listening to this, I could be doing the interview as you're listening. Um, but so that will be coming out. Plus all your, you know, usual like sort of spring training roster notes, what we've learned from players in spring. That'll be kind of wrapping up soon with some final thoughts. And then, yeah, we're heading back. We're heading to like basically like a season preview uh, territory coming around like next week. So I'm basically mapped out my season preview plan today. So I'm going to be starting to work on that as well. So, you know, everything's going to be coming together. I'm hoping I'm going to have some time to do some predictions. My schedule's kind of tight and I have a lot of things to get done. But hopefully, I I know it's really fun when I do some of those predictions. Um, So hopefully I can at least do like five or six of them. Um, And then we can look at how smart I was uh, at the end of the season. You don't need your preseason picks to validate your your intelligence, Caitlin. You're yeah, very, but last year I did do pretty people. well, and so I set a high bar. It's like fair enough, fair I, enough. All know. right. Well, that's exciting. We have lots. Of, if you subscribe to the Athletic, of course you can. Or if you haven't subscribed to the Athletic to read all of these exciting stories coming up, you can of course go to theathletic.com/spinrate uh, and and get that good stuff. If you haven't get aren't getting it yet, also of course we'll have some more episodes of Spinrate and potentially maybe little whispers in my ear. Could be some exciting spin rate news coming in the not-too-distant future as well. So keep your eyes peeled. Eyes peeled, ears open <laughs> for that. Keep your eyes peeled for Caitlin's uh, Mark Shapiro stuff as well as all those other things. Go back and read her story with Alec Manoa mm-hmm. as well, if you haven't done that. But we'll talk to you very soon. She being Caitlin, me being Drew, on the next edition of Spin Rate.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.